Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Eric signing off. See you next time, guys. Okay. This is Andrew signing off, in case we want the sound clip. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is Andrew signing off. Bye. Oh, that was loud. All right. Well, don't let the door hit you on your ass on the way out, Xander. <laughs> um. All right. In principio creavit Deus caelum terra. Terra. Auti, erat inanis, et vacua, et tenebrae superfaciam abissi, et spiritus dei ferebatur superaquas. Dixitque Deus, fiat lux, et factas lux. Fiat lux, let there be light. Fiat currency, let there be money. Hi, and welcome to Reconsider, where we don't do the thinking for you. Before we dig into it today... Some quick housekeeping. Remember, we have our blog, and you can listen to all our podcasts on reconsidermedia.com. We are on the social medias at Reconsider Pod on oh, yeah. Facebook and Twitter. What am I missing, Eric? Patreon. Give us money. So go to patreon.com slash reconsider, and you can join us in the Dan Carlin model of podcast patronage, which is just a buck a show. Which is, you know, I think quite worth it. You all get a lot out of this. We put a lot of time into this. Um, and we love it. We'd love to keep doing it. And if you're so inspired, you can give more. And if you want to give more, there are some great perks in return. Everything from uh, my book on political polarization to joining us once a month for an off-the-record political chat, which have been tons of fun so far. And if you're not a fan of the money thing, we would really appreciate if you're getting something out of the show, just hop on your favorite podcatcher iTunes, mm. Google Play, what have you. Leave us a quick review. Helps us get our message out to more people. Now on to the meat. Yeah, we're going to be talking today about everyone's favorite topic, the economy. In fact, what we're going to be talking about is money, and I like money. 
I like money too. I, I I can't believe you like money too. It's like we have so much in common. We have so much in common, yeah. Sure. Econ, people's eyes kind of roll back in their head and glaze over depending on, I, I guess, how humid it is wherever you are. Um, and it can, it can be dense. Econ keeps me up at night, man. I love it. <laughs> I, I do too, but we're unusual individuals, Eric. We're strange men. Uh, now, the, the point here is that even though econ can be a little dense sometimes if you're getting into the jargon and all that, there is a political controversy surrounding the types of economic topics we're going to talk about today, specifically fiat currency, the gold standard, and yes, exactly, angelic um, angels as if there's any other kind (laughs) singing about about fiat currency. Uh, So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the gold standard. And since it's related, how to understand the 2008 recession. Now, this isn't all going to be in this one episode. This is actually going to be a series. So we're going to string this out. We're not exactly sure how many episodes it'll be quite yet, but something like four or five. We'll bring some guests on, and we'll talk about all of this. Hope you enjoy it, because you're getting a lot of it. Exactly. To get beyond the controversy, the political controversy surrounding fiat currency and the gold standard and all this, we need a little history. We need a little context. And luckily, context is what we do here at Reconsider. So... We're going to try to make this controversial topic a little less controversial. Yep, that's what we do. We do that, and we chew bubblegum, and we're all out of bubblegum. So let's get started. What we're going to do in this episode is we're going to discuss what fiat currency is and why it's become relevant to the big debates of modern American politics. Uh, We're going to talk about what different people think about it and the implications of these different positions. But the first question is, why are people talking about fiat currency and who is talking about fiat currency? It may be something that you've never even heard of, which makes you think, hmm, this doesn't sound like a really hot topic here. But in certain circles, it is. This debate is becoming increasingly mainstream and has done so since, you know, has kind of grown since the 1990s. But in particular, every time there's an economic downturn or crisis, people start questioning whether we should have fiat currency. And the question is whether the U.S. dollar should be a floating currency, meaning that its price is not fixed to the value of any underlying commodity, or whether it should be a fixed currency. And the implication here is that When the dollar is a floating currency, the Fed can essentially print as much as it wants within bounds that it places on itself for certain economic aims. A gold standard, on the other hand, is when the value of money is fixed to the value of gold. And Ron Paul was big on the gold standard as the economy boomed in the late 2000s. He believed that uh, low interest rates were driving a bubble that would burst. And without getting into too much detail, Um, Low interest rates are generally expected to generate growth, depending on how you define growth and generate. Uh, Paul and people who follow him also believe that the gold standard would restrain government spending and debt. And if we had stayed on the gold standard uh, up through now and not left it, we, we would have actually preserved worker wages instead of inflating them away, pointing out that gold went from about $300 to about $1,800 an ounce during the Bush years as government debt rose and interest rates went lower and lower. The question is, are, is Ron Paul and the people who follow him, because there are many, are they right or are they wrong? And as with most topics, and the reason we do this show, the answer is it's way more complicated than just right or wrong. And we'll come back to that and get into it in a lot more detail later. Don't worry. The other big economist, well, 
The other big name that you know of who's a pretty famous economist uh, who backs the gold standard is Alan Greenspan. He was the Federal Reserve Chairman under presidents from Reagan to George W. Bush. And he said after his tenure at the Fed that the gold standard would have been better for the U.S. Quote, Today, going back to the gold standard would be perceived as an act of desperation. But if the gold standard were in place today, we would not have reached the situation in which we now find ourselves. And he also said that, quote, now, if we went back to the gold standard and we adhered to the actual structure of the gold standard as it exists, let's say prior to 1913, we'd be fine. Remember that the period between 1870 to 1913 was one of the most aggressive periods economically that we've had in the United States. And that was a golden period of the gold standard. And with these guys being excited about the gold standard, some presidential candidates got excited about it in 2016 and brought it back into the forefront of the national debate. So in 2016, both Ted Cruz and Donald Trump mentioned returning to the gold standard in their presidential campaigns on the belief that seven years of low interest rates and lots of bond buying, known as quantitative easing, have made the global financial system unstable. And bond buying is an attempt by the Federal Reserve to lower long-term interest rates, but it only has indirect power over these, whereas it can immediately and unilaterally lower certain short-term rates. So that's what people have started talking about in increasing frequency. So we know the debate is roughly defined as fiat currency versus gold standard. We know that some public officials and economists think that the debate is relevant to today, and knowing that, we're going to dig into some detail. But before we do that, let, let's just cover a little bit of terminology first, because that'll make basically the rest of the discussion a fair deal easier. So first, physical currency. What is, what is physical currency? Well, most currency historically derived its value from some sort of underlying commodity. So there's a coin printed in ancient Rome and the it could be printed made out of gold or copper or silver or whatever and that would represent a certain amount of value right that's physical currency yeah and the u.s was actually on a gold standard until 1971 and a gold standard is one where you're not actually running around trading physical currency but the government guarantees that you can redeem your dollars for a certain amount of gold. And so we have paper currency, but it's backed by gold and redeemable for gold. It is a note that represents a certain value of gold. And the United States was on the gold standard until 1971 when it exited the Bretton Woods system. We'll actually get into the history of this in our next episode. Um, in theory, by pegging a currency to a commodity, the country can't increase its money supply without also increasing the quantity of its actual commodity reserves. Um, and for now, we'll just talk about gold reserve, gold reserves. Also, in theory, this limitation on money supply is actually supposed to keep government spending and inflation in check. Right. So that's that's physical currency. It's made out of a commodity. Fiat currency is currency that is created by a government let there be money and it is not backed by a commodity or physical thing it has no intrinsic value in the sense that the commodity in physical currency can be sold to do something with jewelry or you know what have you whereas um that's just not the case with fiat currency that the paper is not worth very much that it's printed on 
Yeah, so like, why does fiat currency even work? It's just pieces of paper with stuff written on them. I mean, that's it. It's just paper. Okay, this is how it works. Eric, how's this? You have a pretty sweet car, right? I, I was there last time in Boston. You drove me around. It was, an, it was a nice ride. Now, if you give me that car, I'm going to give you some pieces of paper. Is that cool? Pieces of paper. Yeah, yeah, man. They're, they're all the rage, these pieces of paper. They're great. They look spectacular. They're green. They have famous people on them. You'll love it. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. No, I'm... No. <laughs> How about now? Fair. Let's not do that. It's kind of crazy in concept, right? And I've often heard people say currency is valuable because everyone agrees it's valuable. And if they stopped agreeing it's valuable, it would stop being valuable. And that's kind of true, yes. But the question is, why does everyone agree that it's valuable? Why not rocks? Why not, as if in the Fallout video game universe, bottle caps, right? Like, why doesn't everyone get together and agree that bottle caps and rocks are a new currency instead of going through all this paper printing business? And there is an underlying logic behind the reason why everyone agrees that fiat currency has value. And if you're not convinced, consider that some currencies are very stable, whereas others spiral into hyperinflation death sprints, right? So the the reason these currencies are either stable or not is due to the underlying drivers that cause people to agree that they're all worth something. And we'll talk about what those drivers are. Right. So essentially, the value of fiat currency is derived essentially in the health of the issuing country's economy. So technically, it is the supply and demand of that money that determines its value. And we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about what supply and demand of money even means. But there is uh, more than strictly the health of the country's economy that, that determines what it's worth. That's just kind of like a good very simple framework by which to understand it. So if an economy issues a particular type of currency and they're doing very well, you can generally expect that money to be in demand. Why is that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One of them is that you can you know, use that currency to buy things and sell things um, in that economy. And that's good because it's a, it's a good place with stuff's going on. And at the end of the day, you want stuff, right? Paper's just a medium in between. I like stuff. But the other reason... Oh, I love stuff. I can't believe you also like stuff. We've got so much in common, Xander. We like money and stuff. Indeed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But the other reason is that people will actually flock to the debt securities that are denominated in a 
in the currency that's in a strong country because it's a safe place to keep money at a reasonable interest rate. If the country seems safe and stable, if the economy is good, then the government is going to be able to keep collecting taxes. It's going to keep being able to pay back these debt securities. And therefore, it makes this place a safe place to put your money into those debt securities. And so more people will buy these this sovereign debt. And buying that debt requires exchanging foreign currency that you have into the target country's currency. And that drives increased demand. So the value and stability of fiat currency depends in part on the health of the government's taxing and spending. You know, the big question is how confident are you that the government is going to consistently pay you back if you buy their debt securities? Then there's different types of currency too, and that's the other thing that we need to dig into. There's what's called M1 currency and M2 currency. Now, people will often talk, talk about printing money, and usually that's a pejorative phrase. It's not seen as like a positive thing that, that the government does. But actual printed cash, physical cash, physical paper that you can actually hold in your hand only represents a very small portion of total currency in circulation in an economy. Uh, most, what? yeah, go figure, right? So there's there's a couple of different de definitions for different types of currency. The two big ones that are worth talking about are M1 and M2. Eric, what's the difference between M1 and M2 currency? So M1 is a measure of like highly liquid cash that is available right now. Um, liquid basically just means that it can be used in transactions quickly and easily. And so this M1 stuff includes physical cash, everything that, you know, all the bills that you could get together and pile up and count. And it also includes, includes some book money, uh, which is deposits in checking accounts, traveler's checks, back when those used to be a thing, and other stuff that you could spend today if you wanted to. M2 is bigger. It includes M1, but it also includes stuff like uh, savings deposits, certificates of deposits, money market funds, things, money that you can spend, but it is not immediately liquid. And M1 in the US currently is about $3.7 trillion, and M2 is about $13.9 trillion. And yes, there's also an M3, which includes even more types of even less liquid cash-like securities, but we won't cover that here. The money in a system, even a fiat system, isn't just the physical cash. Most of the money is book money, um, and there isn't anywhere close to enough physical cash in the system to represent all of it. And so the different kinds of money that are available, you can add all those up to understand how much total liquidity there is, but it's not all just the cash. It's the data um, in bank accounts and all these securities and deposits as well. Right. So when some people will say, hey, Bitcoin isn't real, it's just, you know, bits in a computer. That's not real money. Most currency is also not real money. It is also just either bits in a computer today or back in the day, lines in a ledger. So now, now in some ways, Bitcoin is more similar to physical currency, but we're actually not going to cover that in this episode. So stay tuned for a subsequent one on that one. Yeah. What's, what's crazy about the world today is you used to be able to take your paper money back before computers. You take your paper money and you can go trade it in for gold. And now you can trade in your zeros and ones for cash. It's like freaking currentception, currency inception, man. Currency, current, currentception? Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like a dream within a dream.
We were working together. We were exploring the concept of a dream within a dream. I kept pushing things. I wanted to go deeper and deeper. I wanted to go further. I just didn't understand the concept that hours could turn into years down there. And we were trapped so deep that when we, when we wound up on shore of our own subconscious, we'd lost sight of what was real. A, a dweem within a dweem? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, okay. So now, what have we learned? You know the difference between physical currency versus fiat currency. And you have a rough idea of how fiat currency derives its value, at least psychologically. And that's enough to work with. You're also familiar with the idea of money supply and that there are different types of money supply. The most important being M1, M2. They account for about $3.5 trillion and $14 trillion being circulated right now in the U.S. economy, respectively. And so back to the question at hand. You know what fiat currency is, but why is it controversial? Why are people even talking about it? Some people want to stop with fiat currency and go to something more solid, such as the gold standard. Now, like all things, there are bad arguments. You know, I, I, there's that quote that goes, no idea is so noble that fools will not support it. Which suggests that, you know, you may have heard some good and some bad arguments for why people want to stay with fiat currency or why they want to return to the gold standard. But let's talk a little bit about why some people want to leave fiat currency return to the gold standard. And here's let's start with something that some gold hawks, as they're pejoratively known, imagine. The price of oil and other expensive goods has actually remained constant for a very long time in terms of gold. So oil has gotten much more expensive over time. Real estate has gotten much more expensive over time. But if you were paid in gold or something pegged to gold, it wouldn't have gotten more expensive for you over that time, even over 100 years ago. So you'd be if the US dollar were pegged to gold, you'd actually be paying the same dollars for your oil, your bread, maybe even less for a whole lot of stuff because they've gotten more efficient. Um, you'd be paying the same as you did literally 100 years ago. And what they say that means is that you don't have to fight for constant wage increases just to stay afloat, just to be able to spend the same amount of money. Wage increases would actually be real every single time. On top of that, the Federal Reserve can't initiate what are known as easy money policies, uh, which means that they wouldn't be able to have long periods of very low Federal Reserve interest rates, which some economists believe have contributed to the dot-com and subprime mortgage bubbles that were so disastrous to the economy. We'll talk a little bit more in the next episode, uh, or in the next few episodes, about what the Federal Reserve does when it tries to reduce interest rates and um, what that has meant for the economy and, and the bigger debate over it. The other thing that Goldhawks will talk about is that the U.S. economy grew faster at 3.9% per year versus 2.8% per year on the gold standard. Life seemed pretty darn good on the gold standard. Um, the economy performed very well in a lot of ways. Now, there are also a lot of crises and recessions that happened during the gold standard, but on average, the economy did perform better. And... Supporters of returning to the gold standard look now and they say, look, right now, government debt is the highest it's been since World War II, and the Federal Reserve interest rate remains historically low nine years after the Great Recession. And so supporters of returning to the gold standard say that 
bad monetary policy, easy money, too much printing of money is leading us towards another, is creating another bubble that's leading us towards another crisis today. And that it will be far worse than 2008. In 2008, when the crisis struck, interest rates were 5% versus 1% now, so you had room to drop them to stimulate the economy. And government debt was much lower. It was 65% of GDP versus 105% of GDP. So you had a lot more room to play, again, to spend money to stimulate the economy. And dropping interest rates and spending government money are considered to be the two ways to stimulate the economy, or the not the two ways, but two common ways of stimulating the economy when the economy has crashed. And so gold supporters say that bad monetary policy has put us in a position that's very, very dangerous. Low interest rates, high debt, and uh, uh, an economy that they say is bubble-driven, that is doomed to crash, um, and that the consequences this time around will be far worse than last time. And so they believe that not only should the U.S. return to a gold standard now, but it should have done so a long time ago, and it would have been far better had we, you know, had we returned to it or indeed never left. So our job here on Reconsider, of course, is to present different perspectives. And of course, we've just gone through a lot of the pro-gold standard positions. And if fiat currency seems to be so bad, why did we leave the gold standard in the first place? And of course, the uh, flip side to this debate is many economists and other financial experts saying that returning to a gold standard would actually be devastating. And that one of the reasons that the Great Depression got as bad as it did was because gold standard constrained monetary policy in the early 1930s. So there's this crash in the stock market in 1929, and that's sort of generally seen as the onset of the Great Depression. But the Great Depression really just started off as a very bad recession with equity prices declining uh, significantly, and then it, it became exacerbated in the 1930s when basically interest rates could not be lowered, and they could not be lowered because they were constrained by the gold standard. So in the U.S., at least, the gold standard was abandoned ultimately not out of want, but out of necessity. And it began in the early 1930s and was finally completely abandoned in the 1970s under the Nixon administration. So we'll get into all of the details about why the gold standard in the U.S. failed, what led the U.S. to abandon it, and some of the counter-arguments against the pro-gold, the gold hawks positions. So stay tuned next time. You'll find out more on the next episode of Reconsider, where we don't do the thinking for you. Hey, before you go, as you can tell, we changed a few things. We changed the production value a little bit. We're doing things a little bit differently. This is an experiment, and we have a survey. We want to know what you think and what direction we should be taking the podcast. Go to reconsidermedia.com survey and fill it out. It's two minutes. It'd be really helpful for us. And make sure that we're getting the right stuff into your ears that you want. That's reconsidermedia.com survey or in this episode's show notes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.